Alright, well, hey guys. <laughs> hey guys, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. My name is the <laughs> angelly, godly, singing Zenobia. Ooh, I love it. Hallelujah. Mm. Praise, praise be. Well. <laughs> And I'm your uh, late night jazzy lounge luscious Lenny over here, ready to sing you some tunes, get a little yes. drunk, get a little crazy, yes. mid late night, and then I'll wake up early morning and take your ass to church because you said some naughty things. Ooh, girl, you naughty. <laughs> get naughty. Getting down and dirty with Dudley. <laughs> We're getting down and dirty with Dudley. Who didn't want to get down and dirty with Dudley? That's mm-hmm. real. How you doing, baby? You look good. I'm, I'm good. good. You look good. You look good. You look all cozy. Um, Yeah, all bundled up and ready in this uh beautiful, chilly weather with my perfect cocktail. Why do I have a perfect cocktail, you ask? Well, Zenobia, why don't you tell the people why? Well, here on Life's Camera Cocktails, <laughs> we pair amazing movies with amazing cocktails, and tonight is no different. None whatsoever, baby. Mm-hmm. So for this amazing movie in our second holiday movie of December, I picked The Preacher's Wife. Amen. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And Lenny has seen the light. She's seen the Lord. I'm coming back to the Lord, baby. Winnie brought me back to the Lord. (laughs) Winnie brought you back. So today we're going to drink the Dirty Dudley. The Dirty Dudley. I love it. (laughs) That's so good. And the Dirty Dudley is something that I've been drinking for years now. It was not something I made up for this show. It was something I made up years ago on a cold night like tonight. It was the night she realized Santa wasn't real. Oh, no. As she, like, stokes (laughs) stokes her cigarette. It was a hard night. (laughs) It's a hard night. You know, it's hard out here for a bit. It's hard out here for a kid and no Santa Claus. Put some, put, put some stuff in my hot cocoa, will you? Keep me warm. <laughs> you too much, girl. You too much. I know. Okay. So in the Dirty Dudley, you're going to need one ounce of vanilla vodka. Vanilla vodka. And then I put one and a half to two, depending on how you feel and how dirty you feeling, <laughs> of Kahlua. <laughs> and you're going to top that with some hot chocolate. Like, I love to make my hot chocolate with milk. Mm-hmm. And I get the hot chocolate mix. And I put some vanilla in there. Yeah. And I put some cinnamon in there. Yeah. I put some Hershey's chocolate in there to get an extra little creamy chocolate. Oh, my God. Yes. And so you're going to top your glass off with that. I also did a little mixing because I wanted it all blended in there. And then I put some marshmallows or you could use whipped cream on top. And that, my friend, would be your Dirty Dudley. Dirty Dudley. And I'm digging it. Dirty Dougie Dougie. (laughs) So uh, let's drink this Dirty Dudley right now. Cheers. Cheers to happy holidays and good tidings. Mm. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So I changed mine up a little bit. I didn't use real milk. I used oat milk. I uh, gotta, you know, keep it real. And then I did right. the marshmallows as well. I did the vanilla. I did everything the way you did it. But the only difference is I used oat milk and I used Dandy's marshmallows, which are completely vegan. So they're mm. they're really fluffy and yummy. <laughs> well, there you go. Mm. If you want some vegan marshmallows, there you, you go. You can totally make this a vegan drink. 
So the next time you see the hot cocoa man. And the cocoa man is going to bring you something to drink, okay? Tell me by to bring you a drink. Ask him to make yours a dirty Dudley. A dirty Dudley. <laughs> I love it. I am obsessed. I like this. I can't stop drinking it. I'm not going to lie. It's really good. It's so good. It's been keeping me so warm and toasty on these winter nights. But I, I went outside because I forgot to get some milk, so I had to leave to go get milk. And it's it's. I had to put a sweater on. It was cold. I had oh. boots on. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, it was cute because it was like 65 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 32 degrees here. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I can't even imagine. That's why I stay here on the West Coast. Yeah, it's true. So let me hook you up with a little bit of herstory. Ooh, yeah, give me that herstory, girl. What are we gonna What are we gonna talk about tonight? So we have literally talked about everything in this drink. We yeah. have talked about hot chocolate last year on our to- Turbo Boost. If you want to go back to our Jing All the Way episode, we've talked about Kahlua. Mm-hmm. We've talked about vodka, mm-hmm. but we've never talked about flavored vodka. Oh, and where'd that come from? Okay. Mm-hmm. So flavored vodka, they, it has its roots in Russia and Eastern European. Of course. Of course. The king of vodka, Russia, would be the first one to figure out what else to do. So they would infuse it with roots and herbs and fruits and ginger and horseradish and dill. Like they just like infused it with so many different things mm-hmm. because, you know, Russians, they use vodka for everything. So (laughs) that was some of what they did. But then it started to grow. Mm -hmm. And other vodka companies decided, like, you know, we need to get in on this because we can't just sell vodka. You know, after a while, it's like, come on, it's vodka. You could buy it from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So around the 80s is when it made its big breakout start. And the distilleries Mm -hmm. saw it as a money grab, more or less, to fill up the shelves with their product. Wow. So that's kind of reason why we have what we have today. But at the beginning, they were just literally infusing everything and not really caring about what taste it would add to your cocktail. It was just kind of like a gimmick thing. So there would be like cereal flavored vodka, marshmallow vodka, like just some weird, weird stuff. You're like, why does anybody need like mint flavored vodka? Like it was just some of the stuff didn't make much sense. And they weren't really thinking about you know, what someone could actually do or make Mm -hmm. with this spirit. So it kind of died. And so by like the late 90s, the early aughts, it became a thing again because bars started to make in-house infused vodka. Something that we do see in like fancy bars where you see in the back. They have all these bottles that are filled with things. Yeah. And they're making their own house flavored infused vodka which also shot up again on like people wanting to have more flavors of it to add into their things like a dirty dudley mm-hmm. that tastes like with vanilla in it and that's something that we still see in bars today if oh you go to yeah mixologists are always still making some kind of infusion my sister's infusing gin right now it's kind of epic and i always love seeing bars like that because then i'm like oh my god that means you have like a special cocktail that you want with that like you're yeah. not just making that like mm-hmm. there's a reason for it yeah for, for sure. So I'm always like, what's that about? Yeah. What drink is that? Go Feature it. Tell me. Tell me what's going Tell on. Me. I love everything about what's in that bottle. Let's talk about it. Now, when it comes to brand flavored vodka that you could buy, like what I'm drinking today is Smirnoff, mm-hmm. your flavor is 
usually about 5% lower in alcohol than just regular vodka. And it's about 10% lower in the proof than regular vodka too. Okay. I don't know why, but that is one of them. Hmm. But you yourself, like we were talking about these bars, can make your own infused vodka. Yep. If you wanted to make your own vanilla infused vodka, you would just grab vanilla beans, cut them up and put them in a bottle, pour vodka on top and let them sit. Yep. I'm not quite sure exactly how long. I would let it sit for a couple days at least, at least three to four days. Yeah, get that at least. Good you gotta flavor. let it soak up, yeah. But you could do this with any type of fruit. You could do this with candy. I've seen people do it with individuals like Skittles or Starburst and put them in there. There's oh my so god, do you remember college? Oh my god. Yeah, that's college. That's definitely. college with the Skittles for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So I think, there's tons of recipe out there that for anyone to do it. I think the most the nicest vodka that I did a rosemary vodka mm-hmm. that I really liked. It was a rosemary and cranberry. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. That one was really fun. That was back in San Francisco. I mean, what I'm making right now, I it's not necessarily, I guess, infused, but I am making no, another batch of limoncello with vodka and lemons. And this time next week, it'll be officially a month of it being sit and shake. So I'll be able to mix it with some simple syrup and pass it out to people for holiday gifts. But uh, oh, you could so do good. that with it. if you wanted just a lemon or a lime citrus flavored vodka. You can also do it with that. I would suggest putting peels in there. It actually kind of works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of her story Ow. on Flavor Vodka. I love it. Thank you. Oh my gosh, it's inspired me. It makes me want to go make a batch. You can make whatever you want. That's the thing. I know. Vodka, people who don't like vodka, I'm always like, I don't know how you can't like it. I mean, unless it does something to the chemical in your body that gives you like extra ha- hangovers or yes. makes you like violently ill, mm-hmm. which, you know, does There are to people that, people. Have, yeah. But if you're not one of those people and you're just like, I don't like vodka, I'm like, I could put a vodka in a drink right now. You wouldn't even fucking taste it. You wouldn't even know. It really does. It's one of the easiest <laughs> blenders. It really is. It is. It goes with everything. Everything. Oh, and it's so tasty, too. I can't wait. I love this but I can't wait to start doing martinis this week because now we have a whole bottle. I'm like, yes, martinis. Ooh. I know. All right. Well. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Do we want to jump on into the drinking game, even though I've already, like, almost done with my hot cocoa? I definitely have more to refill. All right. Well, everybody grab your hot mug of your dirty Dudley dirty, hot cocoa. Dirty Dudley hot cocoa. And get ready for the motherfucking drinking game. Yes. So, the motherfucking drinking game. This one, I felt really wrong about it, and I had some trouble with Ooh, it. Okay, you felt a little wrong. Wrong about drinking in the name of God? It's my, Yes, exactly. It is my favorite time to drink. <laughs> exactly. I always went for the communal wine. That was like the only part I liked about the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just felt wrong but i'm gonna do we're gonna do it because that's what i do that's what she does people and you know what what god looks kindly on those who commit to one's beliefs and shines through in (laughs) in times of (laughs) trouble (laughs) you guys and he will fight lightning and he will he will forgive on this night Like the, like the, you make me want to feel like the dude uh, in the courtroom who's like, Hallelujah. 
Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, I, okay. Sorry, I just this has been my life for the past like three days. Whenever I'm proclamating something, I imagine I have the Georgia choir behind me going, Amen. And I'm like, Yeah. Because sometimes you just got to lean. Yeah. Lean. <laughs> I love when he looks back at the. I know, because like, I'm like, Hey. To make sure they're not doing it. Anymore. Reverend, hey. She just you this, seen, like, side look. Oh, God. I know. So She's good. like, oops, sorry. So if you haven't seen The Preacher's Wife, now is the time to do it because it is the holiday season. And this is a good one. This is a good one, people. So take a simp when Dudley does something magical. So ah. Dudley is Denzel Washington, where he's like, oh, yeah, let me fix your your car here. Is that all right? Let's see what I can do here. I'm going to say every time that he gives somebody a really warm handshake, he kind of changes them. Mm -hmm. That's magical. Like when Um, the the grandmother stops smoking, because she is notoriously smoking in the reverend's house all the time. And they're like, hey, quit that smoking. But then Dudley touches her. And it's almost like they can feel the essence of his angelness. And she's like, did I tell you I quit smoking? And you're like, did I tell you I quit smoking? I'm so proud of you. Of course I didn't hear it. It literally happened seconds ago, Ten lady. seconds ago. <laughs> yep. He, I also believe that, okay, I don't know. You tell me if this is his magic or not. Okay. When they are all ice skating and... This time of day, probably stuck in traffic. And Henry hits every red light. Oh, yeah. All the way. That was Dudley. So, oh, come on. Where did this light come from? That's Dudley just trying to buy some more time with Yes, with, with Julia. Julia. That was when it starts. That's when you're just like, Dudley, what are you doing? Because he is morally not taking care of the Reverend and his wife right now. He's trying. The, the Reverend's not making it easy. No. So I get it. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, when, was, when would be the last time I get to come to Earth? Yeah, when can I skate with a beautiful woman? So you going to take a simp when Julia sings. So oh my that's God. anytime Whitney Houston sings. Ooh. She sings in the choir. She sings at the jazz club. At the jazz club. She, she sings, sings. At the nativity scene. She sings to her son. To help him go to sleep. That's right. Her and Dudley and the kids sing when they get in the car. She's singing left and right. Yeah, she's always singing. Anytime you hear the late, great Whitney Houston sang out, you're going to take a sip. You're going to take a sip? You're going to take a sip. When you see Grandma smoking... I just love it. No, I'm not joking. Like when I when you see her spark up in the house, you're like, oh, the days when people could smoke cigarettes in the house and it wasn't just around a child, around a child, and it wasn't considered gross. And I've told you about smoking in the house, and you shouldn't be smoking at all. Well, there's a lot of things I shouldn't be doing at all. Really disgusting and unhealthy. Oh, the days. I'm pretty sure in '96 it was all those things. Just some people don't care, but also. I'm from the West Coast, so it was grosser here for a longer time than it was, like, you know, moving towards New York. Oh, yeah. You're going to take a sip 
when Dudley smiles. Um. Now, this one's from my mama. Because <laughs> she loves herself some Denzel. Ooh. That one's for you too, boo. Thank you. Because that it's smile for is everything. That man can light up the world with that smile. He sure does. He oh. does it every time. Wonderful. He's a wonderful human. Yeah, I'll take that smile. He smiles a lot, too. And it's such a sincere, like, sweet, innocent. And he's got that sweet Dudley Angel smile. And he'll even do that little smile when he doesn't really realize that he's done something. He's just like, but hey, I'm Dudley. And you're like, oh, God, Dudley, you're just so you. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Mama B totally understand Denzel's smile. (laughs) I mean, I understand her. We needed that smile. We needed that smile. No, absolutely. Please. Okay. So you're going to take a sip Mm -hmm. when they are at the church. So this is the sun, the first thing Sunday morning. This is when the boiler busts on them during choir practice. (laughs) This is when, oh, like probably my favorite scene in the church where he goes in there and the guys are working on the church and they're singing a cappella. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. You're like, oh my God, like. <laughs> Can everyone sing in this church? Like what? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I actually, that scene is beautiful. There's a lot of times during the church. Oh my God. When the crazy ass white lady is like running around when she's filming everything that's going on. She's like, he's not following the script. I was but like, bitch, you've never been to church. <laughs> yeah, you've never been to church before then. Yeah. You just be like, hold on. Let's just let him finish and see what's going on. Oh, man, that was a good one. Good one. Take a sip. Take a sip. You're going to take a sip when Julia and Henry have a tender moment. Oh, so, and they're just so good. They are. This is them when they're, uh, they fall when they're trying to give the food to their friends. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you You did this on purpose. <laughs> I'll also take that as a magic trick one for Denzel doing some magic because he yes, blows them over. because he blows them over. But they, you know, they have some some moments. Yeah, when they're dancing together in the living room. And yeah. They do. I, I do. I, I mean, this is totally opposite of what I just said, but I do like the scene where he, they're in the restaurant and he's telling her like, oh yeah, okay, so I'm going to sell the church. Oh. And she's just like, he bought you for a boiler? And everybody <laughs> in the place turns and look at him and they're like, is that the reverend? Him, he bought you for a boiler. Shh, Julia. Oh, he's an order. Like they, you can hear if you just turned up, you can hear them straight up gossiping. Yeah, <laughs> and that's Penny Marshall doing her background like sly shit all the time. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's those little comments and those little details where I'm like, this is just makes it so much real. It's so it's so beautiful. Yeah. He's like, can you give her the keys? I got patrons there, and they they ain't happy. <laughs> give me the keys to the car. Yeah, she was not playing. No, not at all. So you gonna take a simp when someone says Dudley? Dudley, I want Dudley. This is Dudley. Dudley, you can call me Dudley. Nice to meet you, Dudley. Dudley, Dudley, Dudley. Or Hakeem. Poor Hakeem. Hi, run, Hakeem, run. Hakeem. Hakeem. Hakeem left. I'm sorry about your friend, Hakeem. Now, I literally put this on here for the little boy because he says, like, the Jeremiah. I love when he's, like, he says, Hakeem. Cutest. Such a cute. So sweet. You want to learn how to spell Hakeem? Yep. All right. Hakeem. Starts with an H. And ends with Hakeem. 
and it ends with a Akeem. Like, <laughs> I love it. It's just the cute little kid. Is cute. teaching me how to spell backwards. Backwards. He's like, Dudley. Like Henry's D-U-D-L-E-Y. like, come on. D-U-D-L-E-Y. Dudley. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. You don't even know how to spell dad. Like, how do you know how to spell Dudley? <laughs> That's the magic of Dudley. Yep. You gonna take a simp when mama calls people out on her shit. Oh, shit. So, what she does all the time. Yeah, she does. When she be like, I like where they come back from ice skating and she look at them and she's like, oh, Lord, Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. I see you. You know, where she makes Dudley go out and she's like, I need you to stay away from my daughter. Yeah. I see you. You are a charming person. You go charm somebody else. Okay. She does it a lot too. I love it when he's just like, she knows too much of our business. <laughs> she knows everything that's going down. I absolutely, I will take this one too because it's probably one of my favorite lines in this entire movie where the phone rings. And she's like, ah, oh, girl. <laughs> girl, I'm trying to listen. It's like she's just yelling at her because she's trying to overhear on what the, what's going on. She's it's like, you need so to stop talking, stop talking to my mama. She knows way too much about our damn business. Yeah. <laughs> She's She's like, all right, girl. All right, oh, sister. All right, sister. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Girl, I'm trying to listen. <laughs> I'm trying to listen. I love her. Li- She's got some of the best lines, though. You better not be putting anything in layaway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay to window shop. Mm. Better not go window shopping with money in your pocket. And you better not be putting anything in the layaway plan either. You hear me? And don't put nothing on <laughs> layaway <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lewis. She's incredible. She's just incredible. My goal is to be her in life. So yeah, she's her. amazing. You are amazing. You'll take a simp when someone talks to God. Oh. So this is the preacher praying for help. Lord, if you are really up there, I need some help. All the time. This is when Dudley, he talks to God all the time, too. Mm-hmm. Like, where uh, Hakeem leaves, and he's looking up, and he's like, God, sometimes. You know, you have a master plan, but sometimes you're just a little tough to figure. You're really mysterious. I don't know why you do some of these things, mm-hmm. you know? Or I also, I love the part where he's like, <laughs> he looks at the picture, their wedding picture, and he changes the face <laughs> and to his own And God and God, God was not okay with no. that. <laughs> He's like, sorry. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But can I? And then he like points to the Christmas tree and tree. Puts, He's like, puts himself up as the angel on top of the tree. I love that. He's like, thank you. Thank you. Because you can't marry her. Sorry, dude. You're dead. You're going to take a sip when Beverly and Saul flirt. So that's oh my his God. It's receptionist. Like my his, yeah, his assistant and the guy who runs the church bus. Yep. That's cute. He's like, I hope this church is over because I... You still going to be a member in the spring? Member? I'm planning on getting married in this church. To who? Who do you think? You know you my little lamb, don't <laughs> <laughs> The kids are all happy. We're going to have a daddy. I love that part. They're like, we're going to have a new daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, remember, he goes out of his way to drop her off at, at her house. And she's just like, thanks for doing it and going out of your way. He's like, ah, the 10 minutes are still the same on the Nutcracker. You're like, oh, my God, he's making this whole best way for, for him yeah. to drop off her because he loves her so much. He does love her. 
Who doesn't love Loretta Devine? <laughs> I know. I was like, um, that's really. I love her. I love her. Actually, my favorite scene, and it's her and uh, Dudley going back. She's you like, gonna uh, take my job? You gonna uh, take my no job? No one told me. How you make coffee? Coffee? You made coffee on that machine? I've been trying for six weeks to figure out that machine. <laughs> uh, she was not playing. No, not at all. Yeah, that's, they were cute. I had to throw them in there. Of course. Yeah, good one. That's a good one. You gonna take a sip when the angel handbook is seen or said <gasps> so where he busts out the rules on what he can and can't do uh-huh in the angel handbook i'll show it to you no, that's no, okay. no i'm gonna show you that's okay i'm gonna show you okay you know he'd be like i don't know let me check the handbook i know that really cool handbook that just magically appears on pages like when he sees the microsoft emblem or windows <laughs> not what but windows windows He's like, what is this? What is this? And oh. he checks his handbook and then it just, it, it appears and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Old tech alert, you guys. Old, old tech, tech. Uh, alert. Like we were talking about in soul food, like some old ass shit. Oh yeah. Um, also when the Reverend throws the handbook in the, in the <gasps> fire and he's like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Oh, what? You in trouble? What was that? What is that? It wasn't a sign that there's a new pope, I'll tell you that. You I don't think it means there's a new pope, because there's like <laughs> all the smoke coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line, that's Damn funny. Damn it, Dudley. Dudley, you're, you're, so, you're so good. Alright, so you gonna finish your drink when Dudley drops out of the sky and becomes an actual real snowman. <laughs> That's my favorite one. A real one. <laughs> and he's making a little snow angel. And he's an angel. So it's all like really layered cute. Perfect. You're like, mm -hmm. oh my God, he's a snow angel. And he's an actual angel. And this is just amazing. He's freaking out these poor kids who are just hanging out in the front yard. I know. Poor Akeem. <laughs> he was like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, they got up and ran. Yeah. Which is um, good. Kids should not talk yeah. to strangers and run away, even though he claims to be an angel. No. Mm -mm, he just... didn't even do that. They saw him. They were like, huh. <gasps> but I mean, as a mama, I would have came outside and be like, who the fuck? What happened? Like, I would believe you because you told me some man came by. I'm coming outside. Exactly. <laughs> this is New York. Outside. You're in New York. This is New York. In the 90s. In the 90s. So you're going to finish your drink in one of my favorite scenes of this entire movie. When they go ice skating. Oh, I'm so good. So romantic. Just, so romantic. They and both so can cute. actually ice skate. They're both East Coasters. Yeah. She's from Jersey. He's from New York. And so they can both ice skate. Mm -hmm. And it's so cute that she orders the hot cocoa to be delivered to the little boy. So when he's sitting and the guy comes over, he's like, your mom ordered this for you. He's like, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah, that is why we are drinking hot chocolate today. Yeah. Um, because of that part right there. I When I picked this movie, I was like, they drink hot chocolate. He brings it to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, and she I makes it as that. well. She makes it mm -hmm. in the pot, too. Would you like some hot chocolate? So, yeah. We're doing our Dirty Dudley over here. Yeah, we are. So, you going to finish your drink when Dudley says goodbye to Julia. So, in the church... She's like, will we ever see you again? Will we ever see you again? Nah, you ain't never gonna yeah, see you again. He's an angel. Never. He's an angel. <laughs> That's the whole point. 
He they don't even, they're not even gonna remember who he is. My mom and dad thinks still think I made Dudley up. That's why I love <laughs> this kid narrating one. You couldn't have picked a perfect kid. Just his voice is the cutest thing it's in the so world. Cute. It's so cute. So he's adorable. Mm-hmm. He sounds adorable. Like it's just like you couldn't ask for a better like voiceover. You couldn't. Uh, just because you can't see the air doesn't stop you from breathing. And just because you can't see God, it don't stop you from believing. Then Daddy smiled and said, Son, that's, that's what, what we, we call, call faith. faith. Like, he's just the cutest thing. You're like, oh my God, how are you telling me this story right now? You I adorable know, little thing. It's so cute. And this <laughs> is the second little boy narration that we've got to have in the past two months. And it's just, both times it's They're so endearing. <laughs> because they both have the same quality of like, I don't know what that means, but somebody said it. It's like yeah. so real. It's so real. It is a good opening church thing. We get to know who everybody is. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's my grandma. Everyone says she needs a man. Whatever that means. Whatever that, that means. means. <laughs> <laughs> she needs a man. She don't need a man. Maybe. She also does. She does. I mean, she needs to get a little. Something. If she wants one, she do need something so she can get out of her daughter's fucking hair. Yeah. You got anything to add? No, you've hit all the. You hit all of the great ones. Seriously. I you felt bad sol- drinking to God, but I did it. No, you did it, and it, and he would approve. He probably is gonna play this tonight. You play it tonight, God. He's gonna play. He's just like, mm, well, why not? I haven't watched this movie in a while. He turns water into wine. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. they're getting it. He's a wino. He's a wino. <laughs> or she. Well, that so is funny. the completely perfect drinking game. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. And you don't add anything. I'm like, oh my God, did I just like perfect it up? Yeah, you did perfect. Play. So you ready for the stats? Yeah, give me those stats. The preacher's wife dropped December 13th. 1996, baby. Oh, yeah, 96, 96. Give it out. Definitely went to the movies to go see this mm-hmm. along with my family. So, the budget for this movie, $40 million. Okay. Translated in 2020 money, it's about $66 million to okay. make. Now, they got some it, big names on this, so I hear it. Yeah, and it made $48 million, No. Which translated into 2020 money, it's around $80 million they made. So they made a little profit, but nothing too serious. Nothing too serious. At least it paid it for itself. That you can always appreciate. I mean, yes, it paid back. Yeah. But it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't this Grand Slam hit that they thought it was going to be. Now, Ron Tomatoes, critics, 60%. Mm. Which wow. is whatever. I mean, I, I liked it more than 60%. I liked it more than 60% because the acting was great. I feel like people are harder on Christmas movies. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe people just had a problem with the fact. I mean, it was a remake. This is not an original. This is a remake of The Bishop's Wife, Mm -hmm. which is, it it also stems from a book. So maybe people are just like, oh, the original. I don't know, though. People usually do like remakes. No, I'm just like really surprised, though, because I don't know. Everyone loved Denzel at the time. It has a solid cast. I mean, Winnie Houston had a lot of pull back then. And the soundtrack is incredible. We'll get into that later, but... Oh, girl, you know I went in deep. We, we both... We went deep. <laughs> but, I mean, like, The Bishop's Wife came out in 1947, and this came out in 96, so it was, like, a long period of time. I mean, obviously... A super long period of time. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously some people are going to be in love with that movie because they grew up with it. And it's a movie that gets played during Christmas time. Uh, Cary Grant and Loretta Young are in it. Mm -hmm. They play Dudley and Julia. I watched clips of it. I didn't watch the entire movie of it. But it, it kind of follows around the same stuff as this one. They have a daughter instead of a boy. Yeah, Juliet. Mm-hmm. Well, because the that movie will stem much more from the book itself, which the book was written in 1928 by uh, Robert Nathan. But what's so much better is that, like the book, I never read it. I've never read. I've never read this book. I've I've never read anything actually from this author before. But it was when I was reading a synopsis of it, it just seemed so downhearted, terrible. I mean, they talk about how there's no passion between the rev, uh, the the bishop and his wife. That there's nothing whatsoever. So that's why it was so easy for her to fall in love with the angel who goes by the name Michael. Which I mean, in in Christian history, I believe Michael is the hand of God, right? Mm-hmm. So. To, for God to send Michael down, I mean, it must have been a really big deal because they were talking about how it's like Michael couldn't fulfill the mortal love that Julia felt for him because it was not related to the divine vision that God had for the bishop. It was it was all very like so much more biblical and so much more from what I was getting. Again, I did not read this book. Uh, I'm not really going to read this book. <laughs> Because I've got the preacher's life and it's amazing, and I don't have to. I don't really have to watch any of the other thing. I don't have to watch. I mean, the it's Whitney Houston in the book. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't watch think it. so. I don't need to read it if Denzel Washington ain't in it. If it ain't no Dudley, I'm not done. Like <laughs> I'm not done. Well, the it. the bishop's wife, the movie, his name is changed to Dudley, so it's the same. Yes. it's the same. Sense. The same angel. Yeah, that's good. Well, okay, so the audience gave it fifty two percent. Whoa, that's less than what the critics gave it. Yeah. Wow, why you gotta be so critical? It's funny. It's clever. It's cute. I liked the modernization of it. I mean, I didn't give it a hundred, but I thought it was cute. I mean, I don't know. They do black movies wrong. They, uh. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. This is a Christmas regular for my family, so I personally gave it a 96. I think it's great. Nice. Uh, to me, this is some of the best work that Whitney Houston has ever done, besides Sparkle, which I think is she does like probably her best work in that one. Yeah. And so Washington does something totally fun and new that we don't usually get to see, which is him goofing off and being charming and fun and not like, you know, solving a murder or trying to find something or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever Denzel Washington does. This was more of like a fun spin for him. Yeah. Um, and Penny Marshall doing what Penny Marshall does, making those heartwarming, heartwarming feel-good movies. Yeah. And this and is one of them. she does a good job. Yeah. So that's so. the the Z. The ZZ Fresh. The ZZ Fresh right there, 96%. All right, what you got? Um, My little Lenny Zest, I was going to give it like a 92. It's pretty much, it's there. There's, I just, sometimes I feel like it doesn't go too much into detail of like, the turmoil that Dudley goes through to be like, I'm an angel and I got to go back. And like, you kind of get a glimpse of it. I like that they hint at his old life, like where he was from by like, you can tell that when he died, by the way he dances at the jazz club, you're like, Oh, how old he is. Oh shit. Like this- she's like, what's that right there? And he's like, yeah, it's called the Popeye. Pop- you know, so shit. And she's like, uh, even the people on the dance floor are making fun of him. They're like, he's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so I, I think I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of Dudley the angel having to go through it as like an angel that falls in love with a human but then can't be with her because he works for God and he's dead. So it's not going to happen. I but mean, if if he who he was falling in love with wasn't a married preacher's wife, I would be totally down with that storyline. As But well. because of what she is, yes, I you're like what. Why you get so close? Like, knock it off. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know you're not supposed to be doing that. And I like it, too, because Julia never feeds into it. Like, not too much. She, for a second there, she does get swept up in the moment, but nothing ever really happens because she knows that she loves her man. And yeah. They're really sweet and genuine for each other, and that's, like, the best part. I agree. But so that, yeah, I give it a 92%. It's almost perfect. It's a little dated. The computer, huh? And it's very... <laughs> <laughs> that computer with the windows. And it is very highly religious. Yes. But what would you expect from a movie called The, the Preacher's, Preacher's Wife? Life. <laughs> Which and I'm I'm more than happy to. I find the music so beautiful. I can I love listening to that kind of like gospel, beautiful hymnal music. I I get into it. I think I think the the power of prayer is actually really lovely and I know that it can create miracles because if enough people say something and believe it so much and say it in unison, it has to mm-hmm. come true. Like it just it the world wills it so because so many people are putting so much of their love and energy into it. So, I can get into it. Some people might not feel that way, but I mean, it's it's a beautiful film, and it's about one man trying, a man of God trying to really reconnect with his own faith. And yeah. I think a lot of people you, can really we see him at the beginning. He's yeah, pretty beaten down. He's down. He's down on his luck, and even and he won't even trust and listen to his own wife, who has nothing but love and reverence and and guidance for this man but he's just lost and i feel like a lot of people can feel that way especially right now a lot of people are feeling that way and if anything religion can bring a lot of love and closure to people well okay well let's kind of talk about the soundtrack before we get in here because it is a character of its own in this movie it is Um, seriously its own character i saw some interviews with whitney and Denzel, they were both separate interviews, but they pretty much said the same thing. During their scene where they're ice skating, people at the time had a bunch of paparazzi out there taking pictures of them, making it seem like, you know, they were flirting and dating when really they were just, you know, working. And Denzel turns to Whitney and he's like, how do you like live like like how do you deal with this because you know they're they're taking pictures of everything and she herself thought like dang like Denzel Washington is asking me how I deal with like the paparazzi but it's two different things when it comes to music and movie stars yes for some reason music just touches your soul more it gets to you it's lasts in your brain longer you make up visual stories of what the song is about Mm-hmm. that singer is singing to you all these things like connect you to it differently than when you have to go out and seek a movie put a movie on to connect with different actors because each time you see them they're not the same person yeah and it's also different like people do just go to films for entertainment value they don't they don't go to start to relate or to want to share a human experience which is what i do and what like that's why i love acting is because i love sharing the human experience with people but some people 
people go for pure entertainment purposes. But when it comes to music, like, yes, pure entertainment, you're dancing, but like your dancing is such a big part of what's important to you. Like when a singer writes a song that you can like relate to and sing your heart out to, like there's just so much more you're right. There's just so much more soul. You're so much more dedicated. You're so much more into it when it comes to music. And it really connects with you. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a rock star. I mean, people fawn all over you. I mean, yep. they do that for celebrities, but not like rock stars, not like singers. Not. It's totally different. Totally different. But this soundtrack. This soundtrack we got really was impressive. With some great ass soundtrack. Well, what I think is it was given an Oscar nomination. I thought that was incredible. I didn't realize that it was Oscar nominated when I was going deep into this. I knew that it was the best selling gospel album of all time. Of all time. Of all time. I didn't going remembering this movie. I remembered that that because the music is just so so beautiful. Yeah, it is. The, it, I de- we definitely bought this soundtrack. We have it. We listen to it during Christmas time. Not even just on Christmas time. We listen to gospel mm-hmm. um, in in the house. But uh, it sold over six million copies. Six million copies. Which, oh my god! Which no gospel album has ever done. I mean, she's the queen of movie soundtracks. Her the number one soundtrack of all time is Bodyguard. Yeah, and the number seven or eight of all time would be Waiting to Exhale, which is also her. So which I mean, like, she a queen yeah. on, on the soundtrack tip. And this is another one. This one went triple platinum. It did. It had hits like I Believe in You and Me, oh. which she sings in the jazz club, Step by Step, which you hear during the credits, mm-hmm. and My Heart is Calling, yep. which plays when they're ice skating. Yeah. And it's such so a tender I moment. It is. And I, I love it. And uh, it hit number three on the Billboard's 200 charts. It uh-huh. peaked at number three, but it was on the charts for 38 weeks. That's how long it was on the charts. And it was number one on the R&B album charts. And yeah. it was there for 49 weeks. And most of the songs are on there are done by Whitney Houston and the Georgia Mass Choir. Hell yeah. that, choir, that choir literally gives you chills. Yeah. No, they are amazing. Oh, and fun fact that Whitney Houston's mother makes a cameo in the movie in the Georgia choir. She's all dressed up in a robe and she's she comes out and she's singing in the choir. She's the one who's like, excuse me. Uh, Julia, we've always done it like this. Why all of a sudden are you changing? Well, Mrs. Havergill, we're going to do it a little different tonight. Is that all right with you? Mm-hmm. Let's try it. One, two, three. And let nothing, nothing, nothing separate you from me. What do you think, Mrs. Abigail? Accept. Thank you. Put on the. She's like, fine. Hi. Yeah. Well, her mom, Sissy Houston, is also on the soundtrack as well. Mm-hmm. She sings The Lord is My Shepherd. And there's most of the songs I said have Whitney on it. There is one song that is somebody bigger than you and I, which is sung by Bobby Brown, Faith Evans, Johnny Gill, Monica and Ralph Transvan. So like this album was pretty, you know, solid on especially the cameos that choir killed it. I'm pretty sure that's the real choir in the movie. If it's Mm -hmm. not, I'll be really pissed that it is. (laughs) (laughs) Be like you use their voices, but they can't even be in the movie. No. So yeah, it is a huge gospel hit. And huge. 
But it like it's it's amazing. It remained on the charts for 117 weeks. Oh yeah, total, yeah. That is insane. <laughs> like that is such a run. That's why I mean it's the number one gospel album of all time. Like I can't remember how many how many weeks it was on the gospel charts. I forgot to write that one down, but it was on there for like six months or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the best. It was from December 14th, 1996 to June 7th in 1997. So my notes say. <laughs> yeah. On the charts for 117 weeks. Jesus. Because you can't stop Whitney. You can't stop Whitney. And it was a huge, it was a really big deal for Arista Records and BMG Entertainment when they released it. put on a gospel. Yeah. Album. It was a, that was a kind of a big thing for them. But, like, think of it. If you, like, did a soundtrack for a movie called The Preacher's Wife and there's, like, two gospel songs on there, I'd be kind of mad. I know. <laughs> they went all out. They went all yeah. out. Yeah. And Whitney produced a lot of the songs uh, on that, on that mm-hmm. album. Like, a lot of people feel like this is some of Whitney's best work. Like, she was even, wasn't she nominated for R&B Female Vocalist for this album? Yeah. A Grammy. She was nominated for the 40th Grammys to be the... Yep. And people hear it. You can hear her. Like, she's so emotional and so, like, into it. And I didn't know this, but she was a very religious woman. I didn't... Oh, you didn't know that? I did not know. I can't wait. Because I know... Yeah, that was another thing when I was digging deep about this specific role for her. This was oh, that a really... family... Yeah, that family's pretty deep in... in yeah. Well, I mean, because the last time we were talking about her and, and speaking about Whitney, we were talking about Cinderella, and she was yeah. so big onto that production that we re- I didn't really get into too deep of, like, this kind of history of her. All right, all right. All right, so, all right. Um, this fun fact is part of my new segment called AKA. Oh, yay, AKA. Oh, I love it. So also known as is the title of The Preacher's Wife, all over the world. So here's mm-hmm. some of them. In Brazil, it's called An Angel in My Life. Okay. I mean, that one makes sense. Yeah, no, it's Angel in My Life. In Greece, it's Winged Love. Now that one's cheesy. I like it. Of course you do. <laughs> of course Greece. I do. In Italian, or in Italy, it's A Look from the Sky. Um. Okay. All right. <laughs> Stretching it, but I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay, Japan. Oh God, angel gift. Angel gift. Okay, I got a, I got a present from God, and it was an angel. Okay, Russia, the priest's wife. (laughs) Killing it on originality there, Russia. You're killing it. All right. Well, this is the last one from Norway. It's probably the best one to me. As sent from heaven. Ass sent from heaven? Yeah, he does. Send me that ass from heaven. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what I thought you said. And then I realized. As. Like, ah. A-S. I know. I know. But, all, but all I want is to be ass from heaven. And I'm like, yeah, Denzel, you might be ass, ass from, from heaven. from heaven. And it's just a picture of Denzel like Denzel bent over. <laughs> I'd watch that. Yeah, I definitely. Would, yeah, I'd watch that all day. Well, that's a little bit of my AKAs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love Ascent from Heaven now. Thanks. Ascent from Heaven. <laughs> you get it, Norway. You knew what you were talking about. You, you knew, knew what you were talking about. You They're like, we got to talk about that ass. <laughs> I'm going to get that ass. Hell yeah. All right. So our director, Penny Marshall, we have already talked about her on this show. Quite a bit. We've yeah, seen we her have. in movies 
like Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. Staten Island Summer. She yeah. directed A League of Their Own and mm-hmm. Riding in Cars with Boys. Mm-hmm. All of these movies go back in our catalog and we'll have so much more information, fun trivia on her on that one. Yeah. Especially the League of Their Own one. That was a really good one. That was a really good one. I do have a couple of things, though, that I found very quite interesting about this film itself, which was super cute. Like, you always just love reading those little things when they were doing or what was going on when they were filming this. And you're just like, God damn it, Penny Marshall. Why are you just so freaking cute? Why'd you open the door for us to be awesome women? Thank you. Thank you. Like, you're amazing. You are just like such a strong woman. I like love of it and she was uh, appreciated in 1991 because she got women in film the crystal award oh i know and this was right before she did this film so like she just was getting mad recognition before she got to like the other half of her career which is awesome but fun fact fun fact is that in 1996 angela bassett also got this award and I only pulled that together because she is married to Courtney B. Vance, who is one of the stars of this film. And I was like, ha that's something her and Penny Marshall had in common. And reading about it, Penny Marshall and Courtney B. Vance were actually really good friends. Okay. They kept a lifelong friendship. This is when I was reading. I got really into that. I was like, oh, my God. And so that's probably something they talked about. It's like, oh, you've got your Crystal Award. I've got my Crystal Award, Angela. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I like to believe that he helped her kind of round in this cast. Because if they're friends like that, plus his wife, Angela Bassett, has already worked with people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's worked with Whitney Houston and... Waiting to Exhale, yeah. Yeah, and Loretta Devine in Waiting to Exhale. Mm-hmm. She worked with Jennifer Lewis and What's Love Got to Do With It. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Gregory Hines was in Waiting to Exhale as well. So yeah. all these people already kind of worked in the same, you know, Black Hollywood. It's a small neighborhood. Yeah. And they all know each other. All I mean, Penny Marshall's not in the neighborhood, but she know people. She's in the neighbors. <laughs> She's neighbors in the neighborhood, for sure. <laughs> She's in the gated community outside of Black <laughs> Neighborhood. <laughs> I love her. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But she, I mean, she's a New Yorker. She is straight up. Yeah. She's a straight mm-hmm. up New Yorker. She's a, she's a wild woman. I thought it was really cute. Well, because I was reading about it. And fun fact, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the whole thing I have for Penny is fun facts, basically. Because I thought what was so interesting is that the film when they're ice skating, the, the shot when they're ice skating was so cute. Because that doesn't happen in New York. Even though they had snow, even though it was a beautiful day. They were reminiscing, uh, the cast and Courtney was reminiscing about how Penny packed up everybody, all the cast, all the crew, packed them all up and took them to a skating rink in Maine. Why she took them to Maine? It was freezing. It was snowing. There was ice, obviously. That's not the issue. She wanted everyone to have a couple of days off in this pretty town that she loved to go antique shopping and just Shut like up. jolly about with everybody. And apparently the whole casting crew had just like the most fabulous time. I mean, yes, Queen, I would definitely love to just get some days off and go antiquing anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah anywhere i love it i love it like i have this quote from him about penny marshall it was he says the experience of working with penny on that film was anything but typical and marked the beginning of a long and beautiful friendship you see penny was funny absolutely hysterical laughter was always a big part of being in her world that was from courtney he said that about penny marshall oh i know I've only heard great things about her. I've never heard anything no. horrible. But that ice skating scene, 
when it was time for them to actually film that ice skating scene, uh-huh. Maine was going through a little bit of a heat wave. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just like how they were during Home Alone and uh-huh. Uncle Buck. All these movies. Uh, no. I don't think that I, I will ever direct a movie that has snow in it. Ever. I'm one, I'm Californian. I don't even know anything about snow, let alone being able to like film and like write stories about it. Can't. But what they end up having to do is they had to bring in fake snow and ice. And while they're ice skating, this ice is melting under their feet. So they really did have to like rush and get it done. Skate through. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, that's too funny. That is too funny. And it, of course, Penny Marshall is probably just like, ah, oh, damn it, I brought them all here and now it's melting. <laughs> now it's melting. What the fuck? I do have one story about her in this uh, movie. So when they were doing the big uh, church scene, they have the choir up there and they're all sitting there singing. Penny scans out into the extras in the crowd and realizes that there was an extra who was wearing yellow, which is the same color as the the robes of the choir. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, you know what? It's just going to throw it off. I don't really want it. Just dismiss the extra. Okay. But the extra that they dismissed was Melissa McCartney. Stop it. <laughs> Oh my yeah. god, that's crazy. So before we even knew who one of our favorite She's the uh, best. I comic love her. actress is of the now. She was kicked out of Penny Marshall's. I bet she went home and cried. I would. I would have too. Are you kidding me? I'd be like, Are you kidding me? Oh I came god. all the way out here. I called off work. Like <laughs> nineteen ninety six. This is before Suki St. James, too. Oh man. Poor Melissa. Poor Melissa McCarthy. But you know what? She's fine. She's amazing. She's top 25 on the New York Times list, so we're good. Yeah. That's my right. last bit of Penny Marshall. That was the, this, this, yeah, I don't have that much because we talk about her so much. We do. Like I said, she's on a lot of things that we've already talked about. Yep. So, yeah, go back and watch those ones. Like I said, Hocus Pocus. Staten Island Summer, mm-hmm. um, Legends, A League of Their Own. League of Their Own. Oh, I love League of Their Own. It's one of my favorites. There's no crying in baseball. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Oh, she's shaking it up. She's shaking. I didn't shake it. I started. No, my hot chocolate is cold chocolate now, so I'm making a lemon drop. Oh, she's <laughs> making a lemon drop. All right, so who do you want to talk about? I think we should do Denzel. All right. I'm down for Denzel. Let's do it. Okay. Well, Denzel, we've already talked about him on the show as well. Talked about him in Remember the Titans and he got game. You can go back and listen to those ones as well. Okay. But Denzel got his amazing sexy ass name Denzel from his father. He's Denzel Jr. But Denzel Sr. was named after the doctor that delivered him, Dr. Denzel Get out of here. I love that. So there's a there's a man out there who delivered Denzel. Well, he's probably dead now if he delivered Denzel Washington's <laughs> dad. But there was a man out there named Dr. Denzel. Dr. Denzel. <laughs> and that's how we got this name. Denzel Washington's dad was also a preacher. Get out of here. So he was ready for it. So he was ready for this role. And he started his first time on stage. He was age of seven and he was in a talent show at his local boys and girls club and that's kind of where he got his start of like wanting that lime life uh, and then in the production of doing this movie the preacher's wife him and courtney 
went to the same boys and girls club that Denzel grew up in and he showed him around and they were feeling themselves. They saw some, you know, young men on the basketball court and they're like, yeah, we'll play you. And so they totally played him and Denzel funny. totally pulled something in his calf. Like he oh, hurt himself no. in, in the process. He thought he was younger than he was. And, you know, he, he hurt himself. But that's so you know, funny. He went back. He don't forget where he came from. No way. When he got the script for this movie, he initially wanted to have Julia Roberts play Julia. Yeah. <laughs> Julia. Um, wow. Because they had just come off of doing Pelican Brief. Pelican Brief. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a good chemistry. I don't think that I would like the movie as much. And it would definitely lose that music aspect that gives it, that puts it over the edge. Exactly. Uh, and once he realized, once someone was like, why don't we like do Whitney Houston? He was just like, what was I thinking? Sold. Done. And so he calls Whitney. He's like, Whitney, girl, I want you to be in The Preacher's Wife. You play The Preacher's Wife. I'm the angel. And she was like, nah, don't want to do it. And he's like, what? She's like, nah, I don't want to do it. And he just bugged her for a year straight until she did, it. did the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Say, so, well, she didn't really see herself in this character anyway. So he had to like kind of make her read the script and make her like see that this was a good role. Mm-hmm. And he probably was like, you know, we could throw some music in there. You know, you can make some extra money that way. And she was probably like, oh, I could put out an album with it too. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when Whitney sees an opportunity, she goes for it. That's for sure. Well, he, Denzel had such a big pull in this, too, because, like, this is his production company. Like, his production company pulled this together, grabbed the script. They all read it. They loved it. They really wanted So he owns the company Mundy Lane Entertainment, which is pretty cool. They've done other films like uh, Antoine Fisher and, like, Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, you are right. You are so right. I did know this. You did know this. I'm sure. <laughs> I just didn't know what the name of the company was, but I did know he had his own production company. But I didn't know that they did this movie. Yeah, they did this movie. They developed it. It was a it was a pretty big thing. And they're actually the ones. Yeah, they, they saw the opportunity to get Winnie Houston to do it. Because they knew that if they had done Julia Roberts, one, you're right, they had great chemistry. And two, she has such a pull especially with white audience like everyone is like oh my god Julia Roberts I mean I love Julia Roberts don't get me wrong um yeah that's white audience not that you know we don't care for her but she's not going to draw us in unless she's on the side of Denzel like you know exactly and what was really really cool is that I can understand why he'd want Julia Roberts but when the production company was like or we could do Whitney Houston and she like we can get her by doing an album that was when it all just started to click and work together. And it took a whole year. You're right. It was a whole year for them to get her to sign on. But, how do you uh, tell Denzel no? I know. How do you look in that face and say, no, Denzel, sorry. Even though everything you touch turns to solid gold, I'm out. I got one more fun fact on Denzel. Give it to me, baby. When Denzel was 20, he got a prophecy from a lady who was at his mom's beauty salon. And she wrote down on a piece of paper and she wrote that you are going to speak to millions and that he is going to do great things. And this lady was like known in the community as being a prophet and knowing things and can see into the future. And so what she said and wrote this on the piece of paper, Denzel Washington kept it. Mm -hmm. And he still has it till this day to remind him that God is good and that God has sent him on this path to speak to millions and do great things which he has that's really cool cool? (laughs) 
Who's this prophet? I, so. I want to meet her. I don't know. She's probably not alive because he was 20 when this happened to him. So, um, he's not that old. What is he, like 50? He's like 65, girl. I don't and know. And he still he looks good, people. And he, <laughs> he still does. looks good. He does. Uh, um, I think that he does a great job in this movie. He does. And this is such a different movie for him. Mm-hmm. He not killing nobody. Yeah. He's not I trying mean, to figure out nothing. Yeah, he, it's not like a, he just gets to be God's sweet little helper. It's genuine. It's You get to see him in such an innocent role in it. And it's really refreshing and, and really, really beautiful to watch. And you get to see him with kids and you'd be like, yeah, he's good with kids. <laughs> I mean, he has kids of his own. I know. I know. I mean, we see why... his son. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, I mean, going into that, like, we can move into Whitney Houston. I believe in you and me. <laughs> oh my God, and Jazzies. We talked a lot about Whitney Houston already, quite often, for sure. Even though, and we still will because I really want to do Waiting to Exile. You know what? That might be sooner than you think because I've been thinking about it a lot too because we can constantly keep we talking are constantly about it. <laughs> talking about it. And I, I haven't watched it in a very long time, but I love it. And I, it's another soundtrack that I fucking love. So. Exactly. So I have a feeling that we're going to jump into it. And talk about her even more so. But just like a few things about her in this film. Oh my god. So you already touched base a little bit that she turned down the role originally because she just like felt like she couldn't relate to this character, Julia. Because she doesn't fall for the nice guy, Reverend Biggs. She's always for the bad boys. (coughs) Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown. (laughs) (laughs) And for her to admit that and, like, that be the reason why she was turning down the roles. But she finally came to the light and she realized she had read the script a second time. And she said that she can relate to the character Julia because of her faith and her dedication to family. And that was really big importance to her. Because she's, I didn't know this, but she is a, she's a very spiritual individual, which is pretty cool. Like, yeah, I, I mean, her family is religious. Her mom, Sissy Houston, was a gospel singer. Was a gospel she, singer. She did backup singing for people like Elvis and Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. And also for her niece, Dionne Warwick, who is yep. Whitney Houston's cousin. Mm-hmm. And so they come from a very musical family. Plus, they're related to a famous opera singer. They're, they're like singing runs in their family. But mm-hmm. gospel was something the base um, I feel like that's where Whitney first found her love of music, mm-hmm. um, singing in the choir, being part of it. And especially when you're super young, like this movie took me back to being young and like the choirs rehearsing and the kids are in the nursery. Like that was yeah. told to me. I'm the kid like, oh, my God, what time is this over? Let's go. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I mean, my snack and we read the book. Like, let's go. Like, but it, it reminded me a lot of that. And when you grow up singing or in church like that it just kind of sticks with you and it sticks with her and and that was such a big deal for her because like that's what her mother would do is that she would always bring whitney to to share in the love like her she she says i remember some of the best memories was my mom pulling me up on stage when she was singing with the choir and we would all just sing together and she felt this connection and it's and that's when you realize that's why this album is one of Whitney's best albums because she puts her whole heart and soul into it and you can feel it I mean she even wants her mother to be a part of this film because it has such a a importance to her connection and it's it's so lovely it's I when I was reading I was like wow I love you Whitney I mean that, ju- 
love that you. Georgia choir though, girl, Ooh. they they are the best backup singers you she could possibly ask for. Absolutely. They killed it. They killed it. They killed mm-hmm. it. They give me chills. Every time. Like, like the song, um, I love the Lord, just hearing them oh. like coming in behind her softly and they just grow. You're like, oh my oh, god. Wow. This is what choirs are supposed to sound like. This uh-huh. is what they're supposed to sound like. Yeah, I can't say enough about that choir. No, I but, can't. Uh, Whitney, she once they convinced her to do it, she, she said, "All right, it. yeah, pay me ten million dollars." I know. And that's how much she got paid. Oh my god! <laughs> See, I knew it. I knew it. That's that. And it. I mean, to be honest with you, that's nothing because one time she like performed for some like prince or something somewhere else in the world. Yeah, and she did like a private show for them. Uh huh. And the guy handed her a blank, a blank check and was like, just fill in how much you think you're worth. Stop it. No way. And she's like, $7 million, girl. Like, <gasps> just we're just straight like- up performing. I love it. <laughs> so I mean, she- he's the one that wrote the blank check. So I'd put anything in there, to be honest. Hey, $7 million is totally worth getting a private show of Whitney Houston singing whatever I want. Like, <laughs> I'd, just, I'd have her sing other people's song while we're there. I'm like, sing Respect. Sing Lady Marmalade. Like, you know, just like Free Bird. Anything. Purple Rain. Sing Purple Rain. Like, you know, I don't care. Oh my God. Anything, Whitney. You could goddamn sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and it sound good. But what was crazy, and this is this is by far like the craziest thing that I read about when Whitney was doing this. So she admitted to Oprah in 2009 that when she was doing this movie and this is crazy. This was like at the height of how this this was at the height of her career, but also during that time she was very highly addicted to cocaine and marijuana. And so at this it was so bad that she could not go a day without filming. She was always on drugs. She could not go out a day without being on drugs. She was always constantly doing one or the other, smoking, doing snorting, snorting cocaine, and then immediately smoking weed to like kind of balance herself out. But she admitted that to Oprah, and you know you can kind of see it too. I know that's not, it's terrible, and I know that a part of it is her performance. But she sweats a lot when she's in the film. You see her sweating a lot in this film, and I'm like. Why is she getting so sweaty? I know that lights can be, but you feel like there would be someone there to touch her up. And I think because when you're on a bunch of drugs like that, not that I know from personal experience, because I don't know that kind of thing. I'm a good girl. I am. You get well, sweaty. She- like you, you get you I'm get splotchy, you get clammy, you get sweaty um, because you're just so high energy and your body is overworking itself and, and getting really, really excitable. So you can see it almost like a couple of the times I'm like, oh, shit. The only time that I notice it is when she's singing with the choir. Yeah. Um, which is normal. I mean, I've been yeah, to many gospel, f- gospel fests performances and the big sister in the front who's killing it and you like dang she's like god's (laughs) voice is coming through her yeah and touching our ears they're usually the sweaty ones there because they really they they in it so those parts i didn't really like notice but i will have to watch again and see like in every day like she in the kitchen and she's just like crackhead sweating like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot i was like oh shit okay 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 (laughs) But yeah, that was a, when I read that, I was like, damn, she just admitted that to Oprah. But I mean, who doesn't? Everyone, everyone tells the truth to Oprah. You like look at Oprah and she gets it out of you. I mean, I smoke weed all the time. I'm doing it (laughs) as we speak. 
So I'm not, <laughs> I can't really say much, but I don't smoke crack. Crack, crack is, is cheap. Whack. Crack is whack. I make way too much money to ever, ever, ever smoke crack. Show me the receipts. <laughs> if I did all this crack, show, show me, me the, the receipts. receipts. I'm surprised Point. it took this long for me to even quote that. I, <laughs> I was waiting for it. I, I was waiting for us to finish talking about her drug addiction before we got into it. Because if anyone doesn't recognize that, that is her legendary interview when discussing her addiction. Because it was it was a very serious thing for Whitney and crack is cheap and it's whack and it's whack <laughs> if I did crack show me the receipts where are the receipts girl where are the receipts yeah um, it that was like the top five highest watched interview ever because she's so real <laughs> she is so honest and she's so real and she just lays it out I fucking loved it yeah, so Whitney Houston, if you want to hear some more fun facts about her, mm-hmm. I would suggest you go back to our Cinderella episode. Yeah, and, we just uh, did that one last month, baby. Yeah, we did. But yeah, love you, Whitney Houston. Think about you all the time. Hope you're hanging out with Dudley. Oh, I know. I but... know. So then moving right along, speaking of the Revlin, do you want to talk about Courtney B. Vance? Girl, you are ready. Go ahead. I know, I am so ready, because he's just, like, my dream beau. <laughs> he is so effing cute. Like, we love Denzel, but I, like, love Courtney B. Vance. I've been obsessed. He has such an impressive career. I love this man. I love this career. He, most recently, you will have seen him on People, the Lovecraft Country, which I have talked about a lot, and I get that, and I'm so sorry that I'm always fucking talking about this, but, yep, he is Uncle George Freeman on Lovecraft Country, and if you haven't watched it, it's, you can watch it all on hbo he's amazing he is not just a film actor but and television but he's very well represented on the stage he actually went to harvard first for his bachelor's in fine arts and then while he was doing that he was working for the boston shakespeare company already as a as an actor on the stage and then he moved over to yale to get his master's in fine arts at the yale drama school like this and that's where he met our girl angela oh, and they've been in madly in love ever since <laughs> she has not been on our show yet so yeah waiting to exhale needs to happen yes waiting to exhale needs to happen so they've been married for 23 years angela bassett if you don't know who she is look her up she's amazing or come back what are you doing with your life i know get, get you yourself know together what's love got together. to do with it yeah. American Horror Story. American Horror Story. 911. These are just the recent shit that she Yeah, did. just the recent stuff. Like, let's not Poison Hood. <laughs> but, uh, Corny B. Vance. Oh my God. Like, started off in the theater. He was in Fences when it came out on Broadway. I Who know. Was he? he was the lead character. Like Denzel Washington? Oh, yeah. Denzel did do it, Viola Davis. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. That ties in. I feel like he wasn't old enough for that role. No, that was his role. Okay. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying that I always saw that character as super old. But to have like a 27-year-old man, son. No, I'm sorry. He played Corey Maxson back then. Oh, oh. In the original 19, sorry, in the original 1987 cast, he played Corey Maxson, not Troy Maxson. That was played by James Earl Jones. (gasps) Got to work with James O. Jones. Yeah. Oh, my God. But he did Fences, which is a play by August Wilson. And then he did Six Degrees of Separation, which I fucking love that that play. And then he won the Tony Award for uh, Best Actor uh, in Lucky Guy, playing the role as Hap Hairston. 
which okay. I've never read Lucky Guy. Have you ever read Lucky Guy? Neither mm-hmm. have I. I was checking it out, and it looks like a really great play. So I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna look for it and research it and find to see if I can get the script for it. But that's what he won the Tony Award for best featured actor. And then he, I mean, he was just starting to take off at that point and starting to do shows, a uh, film, The Hunt for Red October, uh, Cookie's Fortune. He narrates uh, in Isle of Dogs that Wes Anderson film. You'll hear his voice, which I fucking love. And then he did television too. He's been like in Law and Order episodes and Masters of Sex. He's on that show, The People versus O.J. Simpson. You you and I got into it big time. When Man, he, oh. he was the best thing in that entire show. He really seriously was. He, he really like, was. Wow. He did such an incredible job portraying Johnny Cochran. Yep, and, and he fucking killed it. His he did so well. Amazing. He, he got an Emmy. Emmy for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got an Emmy for that performance. He was incredible. Yeah. If the glove don't fit... You must quit. You must acquit. Can't charge him if it don't fit. Mm-mm. Oh, and he played it so well. He did the mannerisms and everything. He like had him down. That's what had I'm saying. Like down. he had him down. It mm-hmm. was it was crazy. Uh, but like this movie is probably the thing that I rem- remember the first thing that he was in is Preacher's Wife. He's also in Dangerous Minds. Yeah, he is in Dangerous Minds. I didn't really like his character in that, but he was in it. Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, he he showed up in places, Space Cowboy in 2000. Oh, my God. But you're going really deep. Yeah, that People versus OJ shit was, like, my favorite. And I just kind of wish that him and Angela Bassett would do something together. There is something that they have done together. They have a book out. They have a book together. That came out mm, probably, like, 15 years ago. It's been a cool minute. Maybe 10, 15 years ago it came out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, a joint book of, like, how to love each other. I and know. respect each other. Yeah. Because they know how it works. Yeah, they're kind of like on the Denzel Washington tip. He's been married to the same woman for almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have kids and stuff. But I super, I super love him in Lovecraft Country. I haven't watched it yet. I know, I know, She's I know, the worst human on the face of this planet. You are so... I, I I can't forgive you for that. Funny thing is, though, he was also in that show, Ben is Back. It's a film starring Julia Roberts. <laughs> He's Julia Roberts' This is so funny. If, if Julia Roberts had been cast in The Preacher's Wife, she would have been married to uh, Courtney B. Vance. But she didn't. And Whitney Houston was. But doesn't matter because they got cinematic married in Ben is Back. Did you watch Ben is Back? I've never even heard it. Oh my god, it's so it's so heart wrenching. This kid is like mad addicted to like meth, and he like steals from his mother. And uh, so Courtney is the new father figure in his life. He's the stepfather. Um, and now they have kids of their own. They have like cute little kids that like worship Ben, and like Ben goes to rehab and like goes. Because he has, he's required to. And so then he comes back and uh, he comes back for Christmas. And Julia Roberts, who's his mother, is like so happy. But like Courtney's skeptical. He's like, oh, I don't trust this kid ever. And you're going to hurt your mother. Please don't hurt your mother. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> They're so So cute. he's married to Julia Roberts in that movie. In that movie. Yeah. Ben is back. So they did get cinematic married, even though they never got to do it in The Preacher's Wife. Which I thought was really cool. I was like, oh my god. Is this they a Christmas came movie too? Yeah. And then of course, most uh, other most recent was he was in Uncorked opposite Nisi Nash. My girl. 
from love Claws. Her. I love her. Reno 911. She's great. Love her. I love that movie too. So go watch it. Go watch everything he's in because he's a genius. Yes, he he's really good. He'll touch you. He'll move you. He'll make you feel something. Just, you know, looking at him in this movie where he's, you see that he has his speech written out mm-hmm. of what he's going to say, but he just can't. I can't go out like that. Like, if no. I'm going to go out, I'm going to exactly. go out doing it right. And I, and I I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I, I always I always feel like his acting is always so real. So real. He's true. He's true to his character. He's true to his art. Like, he fully commits, and that's what I really appreciate about his acting. And, I mean, he's just a very well-educated actor as, as well. So it's kind of amazing to see him. And he's still developing. He's still progressing as an actor. Again, watch Lovecraft Country. You'll fall in love with him every single episode that he is in. He's just my favorite. But, yeah, I uh, I really appreciated going in on detail on Courtney. He was cool. He's a cool I dude. I liked it. Thank you. I like it a lot. All right, so do you want a fun fact? Yeah, give me a fun fact. Fun fact! Okay, so fun fact. Fun fact. The real church that they film in mm-hmm. was not a Baptist church. It was a Presbyterian church. Can I and mean? it was located in New Jersey. So they didn't have to go across the bridge over there to go film it. Um so they did have to change up some things inside the church to make it look more Baptist. But that exact church also had a problem. They needed a brand new boiler. Stop it. Hand me the boiler! Get just out like of here, just movie. like in the movie. <gasps> so by renting out their church to do this movie, they were able to buy a boiler for their church. How cute is that? That is really cute. That's way to <laughs> way to give back. Also film. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. God is good all the time. Oh, and all I the love time, God that. is good. <laughs> he just he provided. He was like, we're going to make you famous and we're going to fix your church. <laughs> like, <laughs> Even though you're not Baptist, we still You're not Baptist. You. We fi- we fixing it. So, um, Gotta love yeah, the Methodist church. church. Ow! Yeah. The church, you know, it, it plays a big part in this movie. It does. It is, it is one of the big staples. I mean... Joe Hamilton tries to destroy everything, but this is such a fun fact, too. Okay, so this is the part where Dudley approaches Joe, and he's just like, where's your faith, Joe? Like, where have you gone, man? And the whole time Dudley is sitting there playing at the piano, and he's playing the I Believe in You and Me song that he had heard from the the jazz club, but it's like in Mm -hmm. a specific chord. It's in the E chord, right? So then when Dudley gets up, though, and he walks away, and they pan over to the piano again, Joe's like, wait a minute, who's playing? And nobody's playing. Like, oh, my God. But, like, the keys are still getting stroked. still moving. And they're still making sounds or whatever. And then you realize that the chords that the keys are forming on the piano is not even in the key of E flat, which is what you're hearing. And the keys aren't even actually moving to the music itself. They're just playing on their own. So you're just like... They aren't. And I kind of noticed that because they're not going down on the same... Plus, I'm, I can play piano by ear. I'm not, like, a profesh. But yeah. it did look like they were missing some chords when they yeah. only had their fingers down. So they were just doing a little movie magic on that part. Dudley was like, I don't need to know how to play this shit. I'll push any key and it's going to sound like the song. Exactly. Exactly. Denzel, you fancy, huh? Oh, Denzel. You can play the on keys. I do love that scene because he's just like, you need to go to the church and listen with your heart. Exactly. And then you'll know you to do the right thing. But what mm-hmm. if he has no heart? What if his heart is like black? 
And he's like, look, he gets in there and he looks and he's like, yeah, I'm going to turn this shit down and I'm making condos. Can't wait for this service to be over. He could have been like that. It's true. But I think the thing that got him was Whitney. That last last scene where she sings two songs like back to back that just like, if you don't feel something, even if you're not a spiritual person or religious person, if you don't feel something from just seeing somebody so entwined in their faith and their belief and it sounds so beautiful and powerful like even if you could change the word to lord from lord to i love my mom or whatever and you could you'll still be able to be able to feel what she does and and she changes him right then and there i love it because he's just like come on get up he's like he's clapping he's telling the audience come on get up this is the jam right here come on he riles everybody up. I love it. Oh my god, it's so good. And I think they wanted that too. They really wanted to have a character that was kind of cruel and being, you know, distant and unhappy and like not appreciating the, the feel of Christmas, like what Christmas represents the the feel the feel of hope and love and unity and togetherness and. You know, they wanted to take that and make him that character. So he becomes this like benevolent being at the end of like, okay, I mean, I f- we'll talk I f- about the mortgage yeah. on Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like this movie is a lot like a typical old fashioned Christmas movie. Old fashioned um, Christmas movie. It feels like it's a wonderful life, mm-hmm. you know, where he has Dudley is his angel and a wonderful life. It's, oh God, what's his name? Gabriel. Gabriel. Right? And, you know, it's his his guide and they're both kind of really not knowing what they're doing, but they're like, we, I'm trying, I'm yeah, here. Yeah, we're pals, let's and, do it. Yeah, and, you know, having people change their point of view of their outlook on life and mm. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's such a good one. This is such a solid film. It's so, it's so perfect. It really hits all the holiday basis. Like, it hits the checkpoints. Family, check. Faith and, and hope, Check like a, a a childlike innocence. Check. What ba- <laughs> baby Eddie as as baby Jesus? <laughs> this little girl. I know she just gets up. She don't even. It's televised. I wouldn't have a baby peeing on me when I was televised too. I'd be like, mm, that's it. I would. I'm sorry. I have been a performer since I was like three. <laughs> And I've been told never to leave the fucking stage. The show unless must the, go on. Unless the place is on fire, you're not allowed to leave the stage. You got to continue. You gotta like continue. The show must go on, no matter what. Yeah. It's got to be method acting. You were in yeah. the manger. It got wet. Put some hay down. Like, <laughs> like come on. Get come with on. it. You I think they, they, you know that they did this, though, specifically just so Wendy could have another song in this <laughs> In this show. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They probably, he's 10. He can't sing next to Whitney. He's so intimidated. His face, like, when he sees he her. He looks scared, like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's Whitney Houston, yo. And she's on coke. No, I'm just kidding. Dang, it's Whitney Houston. That's my Mary. That's my Mary. <laughs> there is a line in this movie that I do say all the time. When someone is supposed to come out on stage or come out and they don't on their cue. Uh-huh. I just go, Hark! I heard Joseph and Mary in the manga! Joseph Hark! Hark! <laughs> oh my god, that is so cute. <laughs> That's a line I, I probably say the most out of this Well, because honestly, because they give him such a hard like thing. He's like, I've gone, so what is this, Nicholas something got sick, so I'm That's not a it. sheep anymore and had to say bad. <laughs> I was an angel in the, in the nativity scene at my church. We sang Oh Holy Night. 
Okay. Hark! I hear Mary and Joseph in the manger. <laughs> in the manger. He's so uh, cute. That makes me laugh every time. Let's move it on. Can we talk about probably my favorite person in this whole movie? And that says a lot. That says a lot because there's a lot of famous people, uh, fun, beautiful people in this movie. Because Denzel Washington has always been in my top, but this lady is like my spirit animal. Oh, my God. And we're talking about Jennifer Lewis. Yeah, we are. I knew it. I knew it. I was just like, we're... Who is it? Yep, it's got to be Jennifer Lewis because that woman is everything. <laughs> she is is the youngest of seven. Mm-hmm. She said that that made her feel like, look at me, look at me. Hey, look over here, look at me. Which a lot of younger kids, you know, in a family do, i.e. Mm-hmm. me and Lenny. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I totally relate with that. And she said that when she got older, it was more like, hey... Mm-hmm look at me like look at me hello look at me yeah and then when she got even older it was more like i'm a diva bitch look at me like you know and that's kind of where she is right now which i love yeah but she went through a lot of things she had sex addiction she's bipolar Um, i'm sorry did you just did you just roll over the fact that she had a sex addiction yeah, I did. I just rolled over that. Yeah. She, she wow. said that she was had a sex addiction in her 20s. And I think it was more of trying to find herself and feel loved and, you know, things that go along with that. Wow. Um, but she just, you know, had random dudes slide in and out literally with her literally. all the time. Wow. That's her <laughs> joke. I, I literally just told her joke of what she said. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love, and, I love it, though. I love that she's able to confidently talk about that and say, this was a part of my life. I'm not ashamed of it. I can say that this happened. And I can say that I've grown and I moved on as a human and as an adult. And I really respect that about her. I respect everything about her because not only does she talk about things like that, mm-hmm. she talks about, you know, uh, the rape and abortion and, mm-hmm. you know, Black Lives Matter. She's very vocal in that and in voters' rights. And she, like, if you don't know who she is, she is plays the grandmother on Blackish. On Blackish. Um, but to most Black Americans, she's the Black mama of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. We have two of our. Two of our like most used and famous black mamas are in this movie, and that would be Jennifer Lewis and um, our Miss Divine. Oh, Loretta Divine, baby. She is, those two are our constant mama. Loretta mm-hmm. Divine and Jennifer Lewis play mamas in tons of other black movies. Yeah. And she. And television shows. In television shows. I, I love her in she- Sister Act. Yeah, we totally we briefly talked about, talked her, about in, her in Sister Act. She's in she's one in and two. In one and two. She, she comes back is, as the backup dancer, Michelle. She's the backup dancer. And singer. You know, she took her from Reno to Vegas and like had her out there, you know? And that's because she started on the it's old purple Broadway. purple mink, Dolores. <laughs> I know. I know. Sorry. I okay. know, girl. But she started in on the old Broadway. Of course. And that's kind of where she like, there's pictures of her doing like fucking high kicks and stuff. And like high kicks probably like at our age and like older still doing these like gorgeous ass like high, yeah. high kicks. And she um, was backup singer for Bette Midler when they, she, she was, was Farnett in the, in the 80s. 
She was a backup singer for Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. This woman can sing. You hear her briefly kind of singing uh, mm -hmm. in this movie. When she's like setting the table, she's like, hold on. Help is on the way. Okay. She's just like smoking and like setting the table. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she is. She can really sing. And if you follow her on Instagram, she is one of my favorites because she will just come up with songs and put them on there. And but they'll have like a message. And you're like, damn, you made me think. <laughs> For those 30 seconds you did that video, you got That's me amazing. thinking. That's amazing. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, she started on Broadway in the show Ubi that I've never heard of. I've um, never heard of it either. But she got her kicks there doing, you know, and she said that she constantly was working to be a star. She's met and worked with almost, you know, especially almost everybody in Black Hollywood, but like she has paid her fucking dues yeah and this is like no different she is an educated black woman mm -hmm. and she graduated from webster university she i believe she's married right now mm -hmm. but she did adopt a daughter so she has an adopted daughter that she has Aww. but she's only six years older than whitney houston yeah she whitney's mom <laughs> That was always really surprising to me because I was like, they don't look that far different in age. And I mean, they could pull off that like she was young, married the preacher when she was really young and had a baby. Girl, but like six she years. She always plays a good looking mama. Like yeah. she plays and what's love got to do with it is she's Angela Bassett's mama. And she's only like a year or two older than Angela yeah. Bassett. Like, so like, really? What are you doing? Um, she's just such a good character actress yeah. of being that black mama that she came out with a book about two years ago it's a book that i really want so i do need to buy it but Ooh, it's don't buy it it's on our christmas list people buy it for christmas buy it for me it's jennifer lewis's book it's called mother of black hollywood and nice. she literally lays everything out bare she's literally an open book you open it and you can find out all of the tragic and horrible things that she's done or gone through for her to become this powerful actress that we see today. She wow. almost gave up acting right before she got the gig on Blackish. She was like, you know what? I don't really want to do this no more. And, <gasps> wow. you know, God sent her Blackish and here we are. And she's rich making money. Yeah. Uh, she has a saying that I love. It's, if you sit and shit long enough, it stops smelling. So get the fuck out of there. <laughs> That's her lie. I love it. It makes so much sense. If you sit and shit long enough, it stops smelling because you're just used to the shitty smell. Yeah. So you got to get the it. fuck out of there. Wow. So you can realize you're sitting in shit. Because you yeah, don't even so. know that you're sitting smelling shit. Smelling shit. She's That's, just so wise. She's so wise. She's so funny. She's so funny. She yeah. does a great job in this movie. That's just a little bit of fun facts on Jennifer. We'll definitely have her on again. Yeah, we will definitely be talking more and more about her for sure. Um, I would like to talk about the kid who plays Jeremiah just to talk about how good he did. But yeah. there is no fun facts on him. I couldn't no. find anything about this kid. There was one thing that I saw. Justin Pierre Edmond, he's adorable. He was in a few more movies in the 2000s, and then he was on like an episode of Law & Order. Doom, doom, boom, 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 boom. But then Burn. since then, like he's kind of kept a low profile. He was six when the movie came out, so he, what, he, he's like 22 now? He's like 30. 30. Wow, I, I can't, see, I can't do math. 
<laughs> yeah, I could count on my fingers, bitch. Dude, I can't even count. <laughs> but he's still pretty young. And uh, I appreciate him doing this movie. I think he did a great job. He, he holds the job. whole, he, everything together. His voice is adorable. I love where he's like, I had Santa for a brother. And she's like, uh, Santa doesn't like do that. But what does he get at the end? He gets his best friend as his brother. He got what he wanted. Hakeem. Right? That's why I put that on the drinking game. Because just hearing him say Hakeem is the cutest thing. So cute. Everybody has been through it where you... Your best friend moves away. It depends on like how old you are. But like, you know, when you're young and the kid that you hang out with all the time down the the street moves, it's it's heartbreaking. And and that part really did get me in this movie. I was just like, oh. Because we've all had it happen. We've all had a best friend that moved away. Or like had to be the best friend that moved away. And it just, it hurts. It hurts so much because you're just like, well, right. But we'll never really see each other again. Yeah. And they, his parents are awesome because they made sure that they, like, I'm going to teach you how to write to him and we'll call him. And they go out of their way to just, like, adopt him altogether. Yeah. They're just like, you know what? We're not going to have any more kids. No. He needs a brother. He we a already brother. love him. Yeah, he's already a well-brought-up young man. His grandmother's right down the street. So yeah, you she know lives, she would love to have street. him close. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it was a good deed that they did bringing them back, like, together. I love that. That was one of my yeah. favorite parts, like, storyline-wise, that they adopted the little boy. I'm like, that just, oh, feels so good. It's just so awesome. And just to have him get his his wish that he asked for at the beginning, mm-hmm. it, it just made me super happy. I know. It makes you, so, it makes you feel all warm and cozy like this it does. hot cocoa does. This hot cocoa, this dirty Dudley. This dirty Dudley. Little Justin, Pierre, Edmund, Jeremiah. All right, so can we talk about a legend? Loretta? One, Loretta Devine is my legend, okay? She's one of them. But we have already previously talked about her, so I did not do any fun facts about her because we talked about her in this Christmas. We talked about her in this Christmas, and then we We, talked about her in Dreamgirls, right? Briefly talked about her in Dream Girls, and she's Black Mama number two, so she will definitely pop up in some more yeah. movies, guaranteed. Um, we could talk about it if you like to, but um, I'm talking about Gregory Hine. Oh, I, I, again, you got me. I thought you were going to talk about Lionel Richie. Like I was like, wait, what legend are we talking about right now? Now, some people might not realize that he's a legend, but he is. He is. He, to me, is signifies the end of an era of real black tap dancing. Tap dancing. Like, that. he's like the king of it. He is literally the king, mm-hmm. at least in the 20th century and 21st century. But he started performing at the age of five with his brother and his dad in a group called Heinz, Heinz, and Dad. And it was a tapping act. I love that. <laughs> Heinz, Heinz, and Dad. <laughs> yeah. And so they would go ahead and do that tap and dance. He's from New York. So they would go ahead and do the East Coast Circuit. And they also performed at the Apollo Theater. They were known as the Heinz Kids. The Heinz Kids. Okay. That's and so, so him, cute. Him and his brother were tap. Now, other than him being a tap dancer, he is a Broadway star. 
And that's another way that he came into my life is by knowing that he was on the old Broadway. He was in a show that we just previously talked about. Ubi. Wait a minute. Ubi? So was he in the show with Jennifer Lewis? But Did they do the same production? Now, I tried to find if they were in the exact same production. Maybe yeah. she was like, he was in the first production and she was like in second generation. Oh. I don't know. But it seems like it was around the same time because I think she was in it in the 70s too. And that's when it, he was in it. Cute. Um, so that's another connection. But they, him and his brother kind of were estranged. I don't know if they were estranged like personally, but professionally they were estranged. They weren't working together and they came together again for the first time in that show. I've never even heard of this show, but knowing that two of my like favorite people are in it, I'm going to definitely like try to read it. I'm going to try to find it for you. Find yeah. it or something. This is exciting. He won an Antoinette Perry Award, a.k.a. a Tony, back in 1992 mm-hmm. for Best Actor in a Musical, Jelly's Last Jam. <laughs> Which I've never heard of, but I want to see it, especially if he is a Tony winner of it. Yeah. And he also shared Best Choreography nominations for that as well. He well, he's an is, a, he was a phenomenal choreographer. Phenomenal choreographer, phenomenal tap dancer. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, okay, we like did this together. You know, we're just tap dancing. No, like it was like his life. At the beginning of his career, that's what he was known for, was being a tap dancer with his dad and his brother. Um, And he was Best Actor Musical in 1980 for Coming Uptown. And in 1981, like, he does theater. That was one of the things that he did a lot of. Um, He was in a movie called White Horse with... uh, He's that Russian ballet dancer. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, uh, Petrovsky. Alexander Petrovsky. Yes. That came out like in the 80s when they were both like still super young. And it was like mixing his like Russian ballet with his like urban down to earth tap dancing. It was really good. I've only seen it once. Um, But I would highly suggest you guys watch that just so you can get a whole scope of like his talent, his acting, his tapping. He also could sing a little bit too. He had an album out. Um, So, like, you know, plus he's in musicals. Yeah. How are you in musicals if you can't sing? Mm -hmm. I don't understand it. So, this man is great. Like we said, he was in Waiting to Exhale, so we will definitely talk about him again. Yeah. He plays Will's boss on Will and Grace. Yes, he does. (laughs) He totally does. He's a lawyer. Yeah, and he's just everywhere. And I know him as a tap dancer. He was in the Cotton Club, the movie, alongside his brother. That was the next time that they worked together. And apparently they had a family member, like a great grandfather or somebody who actually worked in the Cotton Club. And so they kind of pay homage to him in the movie, which I think is great. We should probably watch that one. We should. But I love Francis Ford Coppola, so we should definitely watch that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. That's why it's it's a good one. Um, Sober Zenobia. Write that down. (laughs) Write it down. Sober Zenobia. Okay, <laughs> so that's just a little bit of Gregory. Uh, we'll definitely talk about him again, like I said, and waiting to yeah. exhale because that's that's happening in the that next year. That has to happen. Yeah, <laughs> we've already we've already referenced it a couple of times now, so it just has to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. <sighs> okay. You got any more fun facts? Super fun fact. 
This is freaking crazy. Okay, surrounding the filming going on in this, I was just tripped out by all of these like weird mishaps that kept on happening around the filming of this uh, film. So once everybody was like on board to do the filming, there was like a string of these horrible events that kept happening. And it was just like one right after the other. And it would happen before and after shooting had already started. Like it just things just kept on weird things just were surrounding them. So like one weekend when they started doing the filming, an elderly woman who actually belonged to the church where they were filming, uh, she fell and broke her hip and then later died. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. No, these are terrible. Like, these are a bunch of tragedies that happened around. Like, this is crazy. So then also, this is insane. While the crew was filming the exterior of uh, the church, they filmed in Newark, New Jersey, right? That's where the church was. I don't know were- if that's the outside of the church or the inside of the church. I, I'm oh, pretty okay. sure it's the inside. I don't know if that's exactly where the outside is, but you know you know how they, they split it, you know? Okay. That's true. That is true. But so anyway, so when they were filming the exteriors of the church, they a building a block away from them caught fire and there was a huge fire and there were children in the building and unfortunately two <sighs> children at the time passed away. But one of the, I know, but one of the crew members had seen what was going on and actually ran into the burning building and saved one of the children. He like, he was able to actually save a four year old child from the burning building, but he couldn't find the other two. Oh my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I don't hear anymore. Is Is there more? There's one more. (laughs) Okay. All right, in the middle of filming, one of the crew members was hit by a car and was killed. They were filming in the street. It was terrifying. Like, apparently they were like in the middle of shooting and everything and just boom, they got hit. I mean, I briefly read over these stories, but yeah, yeah. you just like made me, holy shit. Yeah. Um, so no. this movie was not blessed. People was- were dying around it and it didn't make as much money as they thought. Like, what the hell? Yeah, there was a lot of weird tragedy that was surrounding this film. I was not very keen on reading that. I was like, okay, that's weird. Especially because like the jolliness of the film and like how it's so innocent and like proving of love. And you're just like, oh, and then all these people died. <laughs> But when, like, tragedy after tragedy and tragedy, like, happens surrounding a movie, it's always very, like, weird and eerie. Yeah, it's totally eerie. It, like, sets a whole tone for the film. And you kind of look at it in a different way. Yeah. I didn't know that, so. I think it's cool. I know. It's terrible and I feel bad. I do feel bad. And I can imagine Penny Marshall was like, what the fuck is happening on this this set? They're like, where's my boom guy? Oh, Chuck, he ran into the building because of some fire. He went to go save some babies. Like, (laughs) Damn it, Chuck. Get back. (laughs) Chuck, you better put this fucking boom up. We're not insured for that, Chuck. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's my last fun fact. Not so fun fact. Yeah, not so fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we didn't even say our favorite quotes from the movie either. All right, we'll say it. I I love it when Dudley says, I'd like to know what love really sounds like. Love really sounds like. It sounds like Whitney Houston's fine ass voice. That's that's exactly. Oh, we didn't even talk about Lionel Richie. Hold on, let's go back. (laughs) Lionel Richie. He's in this movie. If you don't know who he is, he is the lead singer of the Commodores who sing, she's a brick. 
House. House. She's mighty, mighty. That's that's Lionel Richie when he had an afro. Then he went on to sing a bunch of other songs and help uh, produce. And right, we are the world. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. At least he was. At least he sang on it. And uh, I think that him and Whitney Houston are close friends, and that's kind of how he got into doing this movie. I think he does a great job of playing whatever his character's name is. But he was like, he sounded like a jazz singer. He sounded a little rough like this. You ever want to know what loving really sounds like? She's got that secret in her voice. Oh, good <laughs> over yeah. You know, yeah. you used to come in here all the time and sing and. I haven't seen you in forever. I know that is kind of fucked up. That didn't you just get back from Paris? Yeah, I just got back from Paris. You know, I would have never been able to go without your husband giving me the money. I know. Like- <laughs> Everyone in that town has a story about Reverend Biggs. Like that's what the cutest part. He's like, he took care of his people in that town. He sure yeah. did. But I, I already told you my favorite line. Girl, I'm trying to listen. <laughs> It's so good. She has, she has some of the best lines, for real. For real. Well, I'm out. You're Me out. Me too. I'm out. Okay. All right. So, um, you know what time it is. Oh, I've been waiting for this time, baby. It's time for Z for the people. Uh, yes. Uh. Yeah, girl. Give it to me. So, this Z for the people it's inspired by a scene in the movie and a star in the movie. The scene where Mr. Hamilton shuts down the youth center and the kids ain't got nowhere to go. Like, what are we going to do? It's too cold to be outside. Yeah, I hated that line. This neighborhood was being genderfied. And back in 1996, it was being genderfied. He was working his way to moving these poor black people out of the neighborhood they all grew up in. Yeah. And these youthful kids, we don't want you to stay here and raise your family. We need you to get the fuck on as well. So we're going to close down your teen center so you either get pregnant and, you know, got to go somewhere or, you know, you go to jail and you're out of here. Either way, I'm turning this into a Whole Foods and that's how it's going down. <laughs> I love that you throw out Whole Foods. <laughs> this was also inspired by one of the Boys and Girls Club spokesperson, Denzel Washington, who, like I already said, grew up in that community and definitely kept it going because him and his wife throw big fundraisers at their home Mm -hmm. every year for the Boys and Girls Club and the National Black History Museum. They also raise money for that as well. But I felt like this one spoke to this movie the most. So the Boys and Girls Club started back in 1860 with three women who lived in Hartford, Connecticut, and they kept seeing these boys just roaming around their neighborhood, you know, getting into trouble, getting into things. And they thought that these kids needed somewhere to put all their energy, such as playing sports and activities in a community center. So these three women came together and opened up their home for the very first Boys Club of America. What? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so it spread on from there. And in 1906, they started opening up other ones all over the country. So that's how old this foundation is. I think that they say that 1906 is like the official year of the program going, but it did start in 1816 or 1860. So from then on, they started opening up all over. And the Boys and Girls Club is something that helps, especially inner city kids, yeah. You know, find an outlet to keep them away from 
drugs and gangs and just sex and bad things. Denzel Washington said that when he was young, before he got into the Boys and Girls Club, he was hanging with a group of kids that were cool and nice, but like they weren't going anywhere with their lives. Yeah. And out of the, that crew of friends that he used to hang out with, collectively, they served over 40 years in prison. Whoa. So these are, you know, these are people you don't want your kids to yeah. be influenced by. And he was lucky to have, you know, someone watching out for him and putting them into this into this so that we could get the Denzel that we have. I I love that this, it it just proves it. It pushes kids to stay kids. Like that's what it really is pushing. Like it's a little, it's a club that wants you to live out your childhood safely safely and not worry about the negative influences that are really trying to just make young children grow up these days. It's terrible. I love this program. This sounds amazing. Yeah, and so they say about 96% of club teens graduate from high school and 88% goes on to do post-secondary uh, education. That's so they take idea. a trade school or they end up going to college or university and continuing their education because they had some guidance and someone cheering for them. Yeah. So go ahead and go to bgca.org. And donate your time, donate your money. They're still doing things. I did read that they are having like meals for children to come pick up and go. Um, And, you know, still trying to keep these kids safe and active and and a part of it. My dad used to go to the boys club. My brothers used to go. I mean, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the suburbs, so I didn't really need that. They just put me in dance and theater and soccer and track just just regular (laughs) shit but i totally agree that this is something that's needed it should never go away especially since it's been around for over 100 years years. (laughs) and it does nothing but prove with these stats that it helps the children that get involved with this program yeah and these are the type of programs that need like better funding and better focus by our communities and by our government even i believe that Denzel Washington at one point quit school for a little bit and became like an art director for a boys and girls club. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's when he was, you know, in his 20s mm-hmm. and, you know, it just stuck with him. And so yeah. once I heard that and I started doing some research, I'm pretty sure we've done the boys and girls club on this show before, but you can never not. Never not help him out. <laughs> Yeah. So donate out. your yeah, donate your time, donate your money, and go to the bgca.org and check it out. It's been around for over a hundred years. That is those so three cool. ladies. Three they just, ladies. See? They were like, We gotta get these bummy kids off my street. But she was like, Look at those kids running down the street with the stick with the stick in the hoop going down. <laughs> They're gonna hoop somebody right in the face. Right in the face. <laughs> so uh that is my Z for the people. Uh, yes, yes uh, mm. I like it. Kudos to you. I love it. Oh my God, girl, we made it. We made it. We did it. We we did it. We did it. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to tell everybody what we're like watching next week? Oh my gosh, you guys! Next week, the third installment of Holiday Films is going to be Scrooged. Oh, burr, burr, burr. Bill Murray. Get ready. It's going to be great. This is actually a Bill Murray movie that I like 
love. I mean, the last time we did Bill Murray was Space Jam. I love Space Jam, but Space he phoned it. He totally phoned it in on that movie. And I'm ready for like a true blue mm. Bill Murray movie. And this is it. I'm ready. This is it. This is this is gonna be as real as it gets for Bill Murray too. Like this is yep. a this this movie gets really serious. Like he shows crazy, all his chaotic. colors in this one. <laughs> this movie is chaotic. But we had to do a classic. Christmas Carol style of film for Christmas, you know, yep. but we'll get into that some more next week. Yeah, check us out on Spotify, Podbean, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Go ahead and find us on those. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our handle, Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Also, don't forget to shout us out and uh, send us emails about celebrity Close Encounters. Send us your favorite Close Encounters to our email address at Lights, Camera, Cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Any input, any special cocktails or movies that you want us to check out or listen to, we're more than happy to get some recommendations from you fine, beautiful people out there. So thank you so much for tuning in. I love having you here. Z, I love you. So I was drunk. I got her nice and drunk. <laughs> this Coco got me. Well, thank you, Lenny, for drinking with me and speaking with me. Always, baby. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in another week. But we will definitely see you guys next week on another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. Girl, be quiet. I'm trying to listen. <laughs>